Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesueur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. Good morning, Word of Life Church. Good morning to everybody who's gathered here at the Lesur campus and who's joining us on our online campus. Um, as we continue Jesus the early years, it is, uh, it is my privilege to introduce my dad, Pastor Paul Lang, who's going to um, bring us a message on God's, from God's Word today, and, just, and, and he's going to be telling us about the baptism of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and as, he, as he digs into the, to God's Word, uh, it's just, for me, it's a huge privilege because, um, you know, my dad and I pastored a church together uh, for, I don't know, how many years? Seven? Seven years? Seven and a half years? And, um, man... I just love hearing him share the gospel. So I, um, so welcome, please, Word of Life, please welcome Pastor Paul Lang, my dad. Well, Jay did tell you that we worked together for a little over seven years. Um, what he didn't tell you is that that was actually the best seven years of my life. Um, it was because of what I had learned. So uh, you, you may know uh, the ministry is my second career. I was in sales for 30 years and then God spoke and ended up going through an ordination committee in about 2004 or five. And one of the things that uh, one of the committee members told me, he said, you know, uh, we've had a lot of sons of pastors go through this committee. It was at that point the first time a father of a pastor had gone through. Well, you know, and then we, we made it through and uh, served uh, as pretty much a, a solo pastor. We had some help uh, on and off, but uh, for about five years, uh, Jay was finishing up an assignment and uh, we prevailed on him to come and join us. And I was thinking about what are all of the embarrassing stories that I can tell you? There are many. A few. So one of the things that Jason had to put up with was people who were usually probably more like his age saying, Jay, what's it like working with your dad? And he usually had a very wise answer. There's something that said that it was actually very good. How do you do it? And he said, well, it's very, he had two things that he would say. One is we're both teachable. Now, he wasn't actually setting out to teach me things, and I wasn't setting out to teach him things, but we did both learn. And the first thing I learned is, holy cow, can this guy preach? So we're about the second week into his first series. We split everything down the middle, and we were sort of on for three weeks and off for three weeks, and and he is about uh, partway through his second message, and I'm sort of looking around and thinking, all right, I've got a choice that I can make here. 
I can feel really threatened by this, and then I don't know what to do. Or I can listen and learn. And I will tell you, my preaching grew and grew and grew because of what I was seeing in my son. So that whole following your father's footsteps, nope. I'm following in his in so many ways. The other thing that he used to tell people is that between the two of us, we made up a whole pastor. We have different gifts. Um, we had different strengths. We kind of brought those things together. And we served as a whole pastor in, uh, in that church. And it was just a wonderful thing. And I, don't, I never did feel threatened. Only maybe that one moment. And then I had a decision to make. And it was really good. So the, t the text that I've been asked to share with you today, and I say it that way because I have never preached this text. And Jay thought he was giving me a layup. So the, the text from last week, that would have been the layup, not this one. So we were sort of laughing about that too. But that's okay. I'm not beyond that. I, uh, I just uh, finished a four-month interim assignment in Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, Betty and I were out there enjoying ourselves and preaching, well, when I started back in September for the first time in about two and a half years. So I have had some recent practice, which is good. Anyway, it is uh, Matthew chapter 3. I know you all have devices and Bibles that you're going to follow along with me. It used to be that I would listen for the pages to be turned. I don't hear that very often anymore. So Matthew 3, verse 11. This is John the Baptist speaking. And he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered and said, Let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness and then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you that by just reading them, they fill us. In the beginning was the Word. What a wonderful, wonderful description of who Jesus is. He is the Word, and he has located himself in these words for us. We read them, and we receive our Lord Jesus in so many different ways. And Lord, we are grateful to you for your Spirit who will come to us every day and fill us with what we need to hear 
and know for the salvation of our souls, for the sanctification of our lives, and for eternity. Thank you in your name. Amen. So I'm kind of a stickler for context, and so I want to back up a little bit to the beginning of the chapter, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 3, and just sort of touch some highlights here of what was going on. It said, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now, in Luke's gospel, it actually kind of marks that with uh, certain uh, people in history. There were, I think, five different secular rulers that were, were talked about to kind of put a date stamp on this. And then there were two uh, um, priests, high priests, that uh, were... that. Uh, that Luke reported, and there again, these are like date stamps. Of course, you have to be a historian to interpret those things and figure it all out, and I might have done that earlier, but I don't remember. Old age, it's a wonderful thing, man. All you have to do is say, I don't know, and people get it. So John the Baptist came, and he was preaching in the wilderness, and, um, and his message is very simple. Repent for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was simple. It was a call to repentance. It was a call to confess our sins. And this is a call for us even today. And then it said this amazing thing. So he's in the wilderness. Not a lot of people out there, apparently. And it says here that Jerusalem... And all Judea, that was the region where uh, Jerusalem was located, were going out to him and they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan and confessing their sins. I mean, this is a massive thing. And then it goes on to say, and then he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism and he said to them what they needed to hear. You brood of vipers. How would that go over here? Eh. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Apparently that wasn't part of the character of the Pharisees and Sadducees that were there. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. And even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees, the Pharisee and Sadducee trees. Therefore, that does not bear fruit, bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. So as far as baptism with spirit and fire, the fire is talking about those who are going to be burned up like chaff when the time comes. You know, uh, Betty and I had the opportunity to visit Israel, and we went to an area that was hmm, thought to be, because we don't really know for sure, an area where John the Baptist was probably baptizing. We don't know that for sure. I will say, though, it kind of gave a picture of the lay of the land. The, the, uh, the river at that point is deep. It's not real wide. It's probably 15 or 20 feet across, but it's deep. And there were people lined up to be baptized in the Jordan. 
And they had pastors there who would come with them. There were other pastors that were kind of local and they were there. Maybe they had uh, shared duties or something like that. So there was a lot of it happening. And they had these concrete pathways that kind of went down because the river is quite a bit lower than the bank. And they had to make it easy for people to get down there. None of that stuff was there 2,000 years ago. But it kind of gave a picture of what this might have been like. People stood in line for hours to get baptized in the Jordan. It wasn't really on my mind. I had already been baptized, and once is enough. And um, actually, we were with a group from uh, Moody Bible Institute, and one of the women that was with us had never been baptized, and she wanted to to be baptized, and the, and the president of Moody Bible uh, actually did the honors for her. It was really pretty moving. So I don't know when she was saved, but apparently never baptized, and then she was. So we had a long wait. And I can't help imagining the day that Jesus showed up. No one knew who he was. There's some evidence that John might have suspected, maybe, but he didn't know for sure. So Jesus would have stood in line, waiting his turn. No one knew who he was. And then all of a sudden, it's his turn. So he gets down into the water. We don't know how deep it was back in those days. There are dams all up and down the, the river now for irrigation. So, but anyway, they were there. They were in the river. Don't, don't know exactly what that means. But John, he didn't want to do this. I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? That's one of the little things that makes you kind of wonder, did he sort of know, but not really know? Um, and we don't even know how much they knew each other. So John grew up in the wilderness. His father was a priest. He never became a priest. He was a prophet. Usually it follows in the family. Jesus, up in the north, in Galilee, Nazareth, and he grew up in a, in a carpenter's family. So he was probably one very fine carpenter. I would like to have furniture made by Jesus. Because you can assume that there is not the slightest imperfection there. At least I assume that. I don't know if you can or not. I need to be baptized by you. Was that, I suspect I know who you are? Or was it more like, I've seen you. I've seen your life. I've heard you speak. And I hear things in you that I don't know anything about. We, we know people like that, don't we? We know people that we love and care for, uh, and, and we, we sort of admire them because of what God is doing in their lives, and we think, man, I kind of wish that were me. But I don't see any of that wishing thing going on here. It was a confession of who John was. John came to baptize, but he was one of the sinners, and he was all too aware of that reality. And then Jesus goes on and says, let it be so 
for now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Let it be so. That was actually an imperative verb. It means that this has to happen, John. We don't have any options. We need to do this because it's fitting. It's proper. Today we would probably say it's the right thing to do before the Father. He has called us to this. It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. John the sinner, Jesus the Son and sinless Son of Almighty God, standing next to each other to fulfill all righteousness. That means complete, that word fulfill. It's make, to make perfect sometimes it's used. All righteousness, the sinner and the Son of God together, knee deep in water perhaps. They had something that they had been called to do. And for John, my guess is even after Jesus spoke those words, he didn't really know what was going on. Doesn't that happen to you from time to time? Don't you find yourself asking God things? Now, I gave up asking why a long time ago because I don't think uh, God is going to answer most of those why questions, but there's the what questions. What do I do now? What's next? Where do I go from here? That's a where, not a what, but those kind of questions. And have you ever noticed that when you're asking those questions of God, the answer sort of seems to be, hold that thought. Just hold that thought. And Jesus didn't say those words, but I gather that's what he was saying to John. You'll get it in a moment. Hold that thought. This is something that we need to do. And so John agreed. I wonder if it was kind of reluctant. I wonder if he was kind of thinking... I still don't feel comfortable with this. Has God ever asked you to do something and go someplace and say something when you were thinking, ah, oh, man, that does not feel comfortable. Welcome to my life. It happens all the time. All the time, including today. So Jason asked me to do this message, I don't know, it was Tuesday maybe, and we were in the middle of packing up, leaving Princeton, and then we had two full days of driving, and then we had yesterday with a party, and I was completely exhausted anyway. And so here we are, doing the thing that I have been invited to do, and it isn't exactly comfortable, and I know because it's happened so many times, this is exactly where God wants me to be. Not completely comfortable. People asked me at the party yesterday, so you ready? Nope. Not ready. Really? I said, really? Happens all the time. See, sometimes God speaks in the middle of the week and you kind of know where you're going and it's a matter of sort of putting it all together and clearing out some of the notes that you're not going to use. And then there are the other notes that you're just now thinking about because you finally know where you're going. And then there are those times when that happens on Saturday. Very scary. 
And then there are those times when it's Sunday morning doing the last run through and it's like, oh man, I had this wrong. I've got to be over here, not over here. And it's exactly where God wants us to be. If you think God has called you to a life of comfort, think again. What he promised was persecution. And I thank the Lord that we don't go through very much of that. So they, they did the baptism. And immediately it says, he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Ah, this is exactly what God had told John. Then you will know. Make no assumptions. Now, we're people, right? Men and women, kids. We make assumptions all the time. So often they become wrong. Um, but John, if he was suspecting it, it's now confirmed. What he thought might be the case, what he thought he knew, he now knows for sure. And in the book of Mark, when it talks about the heavens coming open, the word that is used there is the heavens were torn apart. The same word that was used of the curtain in the, uh, in the temple that went, was torn apart from the top to the bottom when Jesus gave up his spirit and finalized the transaction for our souls. Finalized. Once and for all. It was finished. The work of our salvation was done. Same word. Is that what's going on there? I don't know. But it's really quite, it was a very compelling thought to me when I was thinking about it. And then the dove came down. Now, I don't think doves are really large birds. I have a suspicion that when the Spirit is looking like a dove, it's huge, which is why the heavens were ripped apart. And here comes the Spirit looking like a dove, but it's got to be like an F-16. Just kind of floating down, maybe resting on Jesus. This was why it had to happen. It had to happen, not just because John needed to know for sure. We need to know for sure. This is the Son of God. He is the one that God has now ordained to, to take up the ministry for our salvation. In Galatians 4, we read, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. And to be honest with you, I usually think of that in terms of Advent, the first coming, the babe in the manger. But then I realized there were so many other ways in which He was sending forth His Son. This moment was God establishing His Son as Messiah, Son of God, our Savior, Lord, and King. This is part of the fullness of time. It is part of sending Him into the work that He must do. Because there was more righteousness to be fulfilled than His consecration by the Spirit. 
wonderful thing. And then there is the finale. I love this finale. The voice from heaven, the voice of God the Father speaking. We have the Son, we have the Spirit, and now we have the Father all together proclaiming, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Wow. John said in, in, uh, John the Baptist said in, in the book of John, that I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. That moment, whatever he suspected, all of those suspicions are now cleared away and the truth of who Jesus is, is there. The forgiver of our sins. The one who would spend the rest of his life fulfilling all righteousness so that we can live in him. Let's pray together. Father, what a magnificent word you have given for today. You love us, and you love us so very much. And you are not going to let one last little detail go undone. And one of those big details was the affirmation not just for John, the forerunner, but for every one of us, that you are the Son of Almighty God. You are perfect. You are sinless. You never needed baptism, but this event was ordained of God to proclaim the truth of who you are. And we thank you because that truth is a reality that we can have, each one of us, in our very souls. Thank you. In your name, amen.